Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. Acts chapter 16. Hope you guys are ready. I don't know about you, but uh, I can't believe it's almost Thanksgiving. How many of you can't believe that it's almost Thanksgiving? A few of you? Now, I understand some of you, you're like, you know, it feels like it's taken three years to get to Thanksgiving. Um, and I understand that there's been parts of this year that's been a little slow. Like, it's kind of like, all right, let's get, let's get going here. And there's been parts where I feel like it's gone really fast. But I don't know. I have grown to like Thanksgiving more and more as the years have gone on. I've just appreciated it. And I think what I like most about it is that marketers, they really don't know how to market Thanksgiving. I mean, they know how to market Halloween. I mean, they're doing that in April. They know how to market Christmas in July. And I'm looking at you, Hobby Lobby, like they're the worst at it. They're probably already marketing for Valentine's Day already. But, you know, marketers don't really know what to do with Thanksgiving. And I think if we're being honest, as Americans, I don't think we know what to do with Thanksgiving either. Because it's very easy during Thanksgiving to lose perspective, it's easy to forget that we have so much to be thankful for. And you might be thinking, well, you know what? I got nothing to be thankful for. I mean, it's the year 2020 after all. That's kind of the mantra. It's kind of the motto of this year. If anything bad happens, we always go, it's 2020. 2020 strikes again. Like that's what we all say. And you might be thinking, well, I don't have a lot to be thankful for. And maybe that's true. Maybe you're having a rough year. Maybe it's been a rough couple of years for you. But if, maybe today you're having financial problems or maybe for you there's some health issues going on or you have a conflict within your family and you're like, yeah, I've got family. That's the conflict that's going on there. <laughs> but listen, I don't want to diminish your problems. I, don't, I want us to put things into perspective. I know that there's struggles that we're all facing. But even in our struggles, even in our pain, and we have all these problems, we still need to give thanks. Whatever 2020 has brought you, whatever hand you've been dealt this year, there are opportunities for us to recognize and trust that God remains faithful and he will be with us every step that we take. And because God is unchanging and because he is always good, there are ways that we as Christians, we as believers can be thankful. And I want to talk about one of those ways today. And that way is through worship. In fact, the title of the message today is called Worship is a Weapon. It's a weapon for our worries, for our fears, our problems, our struggles. It's a weapon for anything that we might face. Worshiping the Lord helps put into perspective how good God is and all that we have to be thankful for. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church your whole life or not. Maybe you're new to church. You've been coming for the last maybe couple weeks or months, and you might be wondering, like, why is it that Christians do what they do? Why is it that when we gather together, they do fill in the blank? I grew up in church my whole life. There's not a time that I don't remember ever going to church. I remember going to church all the time. And I remember this one time as a kid, I remember thinking, you know, it's really kind of odd to me that we all gather in a room together. We sit in rows and then a band comes out and they sing songs. We're singing to them. They're singing to us. Where else do you ever go when you sit in front, in front of a bunch of people and you just sing songs? It's always been kind of a weird thing that I've thought of. But I remember this one time at church. I'm with my parents, and it was the late 90s, early 2000s, and we were singing a popular worship song during that time. And it was a really simple song. It had one verse and one chorus. 
And because there was only one verse, you would inevitably sing the chorus over and over again. And the chorus went like this. You might be, you might be familiar with it. It goes, I could sing of your love forever. Sing it if you know it. I could sing of your love forever. And then it would go, I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Okay. So it repeated a lot. And that was the only thing you said in church that day. And I remember standing there and we were like on the chorus of the song for the 15th straight time. And I was like, Oh, you know, and I remember thinking at the time, yep, we're going to do it. We're literally going to sing of his love forever right here, right now. <laughs> I can't believe it. And as, as, there, as this song is going on, I've started to think, you know, it says I could sing of your love forever. It doesn't say that I'm going to sing of your love forever or that I should sing of your love forever. So God, my legs are hurting me. My back is tired. I'm just going to have a seat right now. That's what a teenage Nate was thinking in that moment. And as I'm having those thoughts and as those things are going through my mind, I remember looking right beside me and my mom was all of like five feet tall. So I was already towering over her. And I remember her arms were like lifted high and she's singing this song. And I remember looking over across the aisle and there was this guy and he wasn't singing at all. But tears were coming down his face. And I mean, I wanted to cry too, but it was because my legs hurt so bad. But he was crying for a totally different reason. And I remember looking at him thinking how much he's experienced God's grace, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness in his life. He was so crushed by the love of God. And I thought, you know what? I want to feel that same way. I want to have what he has. And so today you might be here and you might be thinking, oh man, we're going to sing about worship. And that makes you a little nervous. You you don't like the topic of singing because it doesn't come all that natural for you. And you might think, well, you know what? I sound really good in the shower. That's where I really like to sing. But anywhere else, it's not good at all. Or maybe for you, you hate birthday parties because you're like, inevitably, they're going to bring out some pastry with some fire on it. And we're all going to have to awkwardly sing this song, happy birthday to you. But I don't ever want to sing it. I just stand there awkwardly looking at my feet, trying to avoid eye contact. I might have to leave the room real quick because I don't like singing. But today I want to remind you of some verses and the story in Acts chapter 16 that might help shift or change your view on worship. As you open up your heart to what God would speak, I hope your view of worship changes. In fact, I love what 1 Chronicles 16, 9 says. It says, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Psalm 33, 1 tells us, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. I want you to notice that anytime you read God's word, God never says, hey, if you got a great voice, I'd love to hear it. If you love singing, well, then this is definitely for you. He simply gives us a command to sing. And why does God demand that we sing? You might think, well, how insecure is God that we have to constantly tell him how great he is? And I think that's what a lot of people think, by the way. I think they think that God is some egotistical maniac up in heaven saying, tell me how great I am. I need to hear it this week. But I think that's a little twisted. God doesn't need to tell you how awesome he is. He's not insecure. He's not up in heaven going, guys, it's been a real rough week. I've had to deal with Nate a lot. And so, you know, if you could just raise my self-esteem a little bit and tell me how great I am, that would really help. God doesn't command us to praise him because he needs it. He commands us to praise him because we need it. Worship is a weapon. In other words, when we sing to God, 
We aren't holding hands or in this time of a pandemic. We're not fist bumping each other, singing Kumbaya, my Lord. We're not coming in to hear Christian karaoke or participate in that. What we're reminding ourselves is that Jesus is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the Prince of Peace. He is the beginning and the end, and he holds the world in the palm of his hands. And that's a weapon against our problems or our worries or our discouragement. See, if you've come in today and you're a little discouraged or depressed and things aren't going the way you thought they should, this year looks completely different than you thought it ever would, or when hardship and tragedy strike your life when you least expected, you might be tempted to come in here and say, well, you know what? I'm not going to praise God today. I don't feel like it. Things aren't going the way that I want them to go. I'm just going to show up late. I'm not going to sing at all. I'm going to keep my arms crossed because I don't feel like praising God. Listen, Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't, doesn't say praise the Lord when it feels good. It says praise the Lord because he is good. God is good. See, if you're sick, you need to be reminded of who your healer is today. If you're poor, you need to be reminded of who your, he, or your provider is today. And if you feel discouraged or depressed, you need to be reminded that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And we're reminded of those things when we gather together and we worship. But I want you to know something, and it's interesting to me that worship and giving thanks, since we're on that topic of worship and giving thanks, anytime you open up your Bible and you see an act of giving thanks, guess what shows up? Almost always an act of worship. And so what's interesting to me is that giving thanks and worship are inseparable. So when we sing of who God is and what he's doing, it's a weapon against our problems, our fears, our struggles. And even as we usher in Thanksgiving, it's a weapon against our ungratefulness. So today, Acts 16, I think this story is going to show us that no matter our circumstance, no matter our situation or where we are in life, our worship is a weapon to whatever we're going to face. There's two things I think the story shows us. And the first one is this, worship is about surrender. Now, as a little background to this, there's two guys, their name is Paul and Silas, and they've been thrown into prison. And you might be thinking, well, why were they thrown into prison? Was it because they murdered somebody? No. Was it because they stole something? They didn't do that either. They were thrown in prison for a crime they didn't commit. Earlier on in Acts chapter 16, I love this, the Paul and Silas are walking this road and this, uh, they, she's just called a slave girl who is possessed by this demon. She's following and annoying Paul. And I love that that's what happens because there's things that annoy me too. And so I love that even Paul was getting a little annoyed. And what it says is that Paul was so annoyed that he turned around and he cast the demon out of the slave girl and she was set free. Now, this slave girl because she was possessed by a demon, she was very profitable to her master. And because of that, he was making a lot of money off of her. And so when Paul cast this demon out, she no longer was profitable. And this master was angry. He was frustrated because he just lost how he made his money. And so what he did is he went and he accused Paul and Silas of a crime they didn't commit. And so before they were thrown into prison, a jailer comes in, he beats them, he whips them, he throws them in the dungeon and they chain him. And they chained both Paul and Silas. And I was thinking about this and I thought, you know what? That's how life can be sometimes. We're living our life. We're going through just fine. And all of a sudden we can feel beaten. We can feel whipped. Things can come across that we weren't even expecting life. And we can find ourselves in a bad spot. Life can feel like that. Sometimes life can feel like a jail cell. If we're being honest. And here's the, here's the thing. Paul and Silas find themselves in a bad spot. 
And so what do they do? Verse 25, it says this, and I just want to look at the first two words because I think they're significant. It says, about midnight. And I think that it's significant for a reason because so often that is the darkest hour of your life. You could say that midnight is the hour where you can't sleep, that you're stressed out, that you're anxious, that you're worried. And some of you might say today, you know what? I'm in my darkest hour right now. I'm living in my about midnight. You might be anxious about your job or stressed out about your finances. Maybe you're worried about the pandemic. Maybe for you, it's just the future. Are they going to do a second shutdown? If that happens, then, and you just start the domino effect of what happens after that. And so maybe today you're living in your darkest hour. It's your midnight. But look what Paul and Silas do in their darkest hour. It says this, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas worshiped God. That's who they turned to in their darkest hour. They surrendered their situation to the God who could handle it. There was nothing about their situation that was worth singing about. How easy could it have been that we read, and about midnight, Paul and Silas moaned and groaned all night long, and we would have been like, I get it. How easy would it have been if we read about midnight, Paul and Silas cursed the jailer that, that beat them and whipped them, and we'd be like, I understand. But we don't read that. We read that they worshiped God. Now, when we think about worship, I think most of us think that it's the thing that you do in church before the message or that it's filler or entertainment or it's that buffer so that I don't miss the message. I've got enough time, but that's actually not true. Worship is more than just singing. Worship is singing, but worship is more than just singing. Worship is anything that you adore or focus on the most. And so here's the question you need to wrestle with yourself today. The question you need to ask yourself, who or what do you turn to when you're in your darkest hour? Who or what do you face? What do you look to when you feel like it's about midnight in your life? Because listen, if you're here in the North venue or you're in the social side or you're watching online or at a watch party, know this, everyone worships someone or something. See, some people worship their car, their spouse, their kids, their house, popularity, success, sex, money, uh, uh, popularity, and the list can go on and on and on. But when hard times come into your life, when it's midnight in your life and you've lost all hope, who do you turn to and worship? Paul and Silas chose to worship God. It says in verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So Paul and Silas, they surrender their situation to God. They're singing to him. And all of a sudden the ground starts to shake. The prison walls fall down, doors fly open and chains come off. And I love that it says that their chains came off because here's the reality. If you aren't worshiping Jesus today and you're turning to other things, you may not physically be in chains today, but spiritually speaking, you are in chains. And so what has you in chains today? Is it alcohol, pain meds, 
Is it anger, anxiety, pornography? What is it that you came in? And we don't see the chains, but you feel bound by these chains. You feel weighed down by the chains that you're carrying. And no matter how hard you try and try to get free, you still feel that you have this inability to be set free. Here's what I want you to hear today. Your chains will fall off when you start singing about who God is and what God has done. You know, be like, all right, pastor, shut up. Where's that worship band? Let's get them out here. I need some chains to fall off of me now. Don't misunderstand me. Your chains aren't going to miraculously go away when you start singing a song or two. That's not going to happen because worship isn't about singing. Worship is about surrendering. It's about coming before God and saying, God, I'm a mess right now. My life is a mess right now. And I need you, I believe in you, I trust in you, and I receive you by faith. I surrender my life to you. That's when a few chains might start to fall off in your life. In fact, maybe you've been next to somebody who's raised their hands in worship before. Maybe you're like, why is it that people do that? Like, what's the deal with people raising their hands in worship? Well, part of the reason why a person raises their hand in worship is because it's the international sign of surrender. And so when we come before God, even though our circumstances or our situations might not be the most ideal or what we want them to be, we are displaying an inward decision of surrender outwardly. When we have our hands in the air, it's because we're surrendering our circumstance to the God who can handle it all. In fact, it tells us to cast our cares upon God because he cares for us. And so maybe today you need to surrender your life to God. And in a few moments, I want to give you that opportunity to surrender your life. If you don't know Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to know him. Or maybe here in a few minutes, we're going to sing a a song after communion. And maybe today you just need to sing. Maybe you just need to raise your hands in worship and say, God, my life right now isn't going the way that I thought it would be. Uh, It's really a hard time. It's a struggle. I'm dealing with these issues. So God, I'm just going to internationally show you that I surrender my life, my circumstances, my situation to you. Maybe you need to surrender to Jesus today. Now, some of you say, well, you know what? I don't know that I feel comfortable raising my hands in worship. I don't know if I put deodorant on today, so, you know, it might not be a a good thing. I'd say, that's okay. I'll I'll talk to you about deodorant, but (laughs) let me tell you, let me ask you, would it be possible for someone to have their hand in the air, but actually not be surrendered to God? It is possible. In fact, Matthew 15 tells us that Jesus, about the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were the spiritual uh, kind of elite of the day, and they were people who liked to be noticed, and they really liked to be noticed for their spiritual acts. And so Jesus, in Matthew 15, he goes, hey, these Pharisees, they love to sing about me. They love to sing about how great I am. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And Jesus calls that worship empty, vain, and meaningless. Because when it comes to worship, it's not about the posture of your hands. It's about the posture of your heart. Worship is about surrender. What do you need to surrender over to the Lord today? What is it that you're holding on to? Is it your life? Trying to live your life your way? Is it a circumstance, a situation? Surrender it to him today. Worship is about surrender. Here's the second thing that the story teaches us is that worship will change our hearts. Paul and Silas, they're singing. The ground is shaking. Walls are coming down. In verse 27, it says this. When the jailer woke, 
and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. I just want you to know that if I was falsely accused for a crime that I didn't commit, and I was thrown into jail, and I was chained up, and I was beat for it, And then I surrendered my circumstance over to the Lord and I started singing a song or two and all of a sudden the ground started shaking, the walls came down, doors flew open and my chains would be uh, undone. Let me tell you, I'd be out of there. I'm not sticking around. I'm gone. I mean, I think we all would be that way too. I'm not sticking around like Paul did. But not only did Paul stick around, he talked this jailer out of killing himself. And remember, this is the same jailer that beat them, that whipped them, that threw them into the dungeon, that chained them up. We wouldn't blame Paul if he just ran for it or if he just let the jailer kill himself. But instead, Paul says, stop, we're here. We've got it. Worship will do that to you. Worship will change your heart. It will give you a love for people that you otherwise wouldn't have. See, maybe you came to church today and you were kind of arguing with your spouse a little bit. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but sometimes it can happen to you. And you're arguing and you're fighting and you're bickering with one another. And maybe for you, it's something superficial like, you know, why didn't you make me coffee in the morning? You're kind of selfish. (laughs) Maybe for you, you're like, oh, just breakfast for you, I guess, huh? Or maybe it's like, hey, we're going to be late. You take so long to get ready. Your wife is telling you that too, by the way. Okay, so let's not misunderstand that. So, you know, And so maybe you're arguing and fighting and you get in the car and it just continues to go and maybe you throw out a yo mama joke and at the time you're like, this is gonna feel so good. And you're like, I regret it so much later. And so you're fighting and you're arguing and you're going back and forth and then you get into church and you start hearing the music and you start singing to God and then all of a sudden something happens to the music. All of a sudden you can start feeling your heart begin to soften. And you might sit down for the message and you might reach over and grab your spouse's hand because God has softened your heart and given you a love that you otherwise would not have. The jailer, he was a bad dude. He whipped Paul and Silas and didn't wash their wounds. He didn't take care of them. He just left them in their wounded state. He left them in their cuts to aggravate and annoy them and chafe them. And I like to think that Paul, his heart was probably a little hardened to what had happened. I like to think that Paul was like, I can't believe we're thrown into prison for a crime we didn't commit. This is the worst thing that could happen to us. I like to think that Paul was just like, man, this guy is so bad. But then as he surrendered his circumstance to Jesus, as he started reminding himself that even though he's out of control, God is in control of everything. I like to think that his heart started to soften just a little bit. And when he looked at that jailer, I like to think that Paul was like, you know what? I used to be like you, jailer. In fact, I used to be worse than you, jailer. I hunted Christians for sport. I executed them. I tortured them. I know what it's like to be a bad guy. And I like to think that Paul was like, God changed me and he can change you. Paul had a love for this jailer where there was no room for love. And because Paul was worshiping, his heart changed. And we have verse 30. And it says, Then he, speaking of the jailer, brought them out and said, sirs. And I think that's interesting because this jailer had no respect for Paul and Silas. He's showing respect here. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. 
And this is an amazing set of verses to me because spiritually speaking, these chains just fell off of this jailer. He is free from shame. He is free from condemnation. He is free from sin. And the same can happen for you today. You can be set free from whatever chains are holding you back. Your heart can change when you start worshiping the Lord. It'll soften through that. And some of you say, but how? I talk to people all the time who go, you know what? I want to come to church. I come to wor- church and I enter into worship and I, I want to sense God's presence. I want to be filled up with his love, but I just don't know how to do that. I want to give you two ways that you can enter into worship. And the first one is this. You have to prepare your spirit. See, I know that getting to church, it can take a lot of effort. <laughs> I have three boys. They're nine, seven, and five. And that's crazy in my household right now. And let me just tell you, my oldest one, Brody, he's pretty easy. He just lay out his clothes. He can get up. He's just fine. Give him a little milk. He'll be just fine. My middle one, Asher, that's hit or miss. (laughs) Depending on how much sleep he got and if he's really in the mood, that can go either way. But then my youngest one, without a doubt, will always be the one that causes me trouble. He is the one that is so hard. I'll be like, hey, get ready to go. And what does he do? I lay out his clothes perfectly, have it all laid out. What does he do? He comes down with a shirt that doesn't fit. It comes up on his tummy. He's wearing basketball shorts and flip-flops where his toes go over. And he's like, I'm ready. I'm like, "Uh, for what? Like, I don't know what you're ready for. (laughs) So I get him dressed and changed and he's fighting me and he's crying about it. And I go and I fix his hair only to find out two minutes later, he's messed it all up. And I was like, why'd you mess up your hair? And he's like, I just want to be Dawson. That's what he tells me. And I'm like, who are you? Like, who even says that? But you know what? I understand that it takes a lot of effort to just get to church, to make sure there's no food on us, to make sure we've got ourselves here and checked in on time. But listen, I want us to take it a step further as well. Don't get your body here. Prepare your spirit as well. The truth of human nature is we prepare for what's most important to us. If you like football, you better believe that your team is watching tape and is prepared for the team that they're going to face next Sunday. They're setting up on the players. They know what their moves are going to be. They are prepared for them. If you ever go on a date, you prepare for that date. And some of you spent more time preparing for the date than actually going on the date. And quite frankly, you might have had more, time, more fun preparing for the date than actually going on the date. But you prepare for what's important to you. So with that in mind, how prepared are you to worship God? You see, just coming to church once a week is not enough to have a close relationship with God. The pull of our pop culture is too strong. So all week when we come to church, it's been CNN, Fox News, ESPN, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're playing video games. We're watching movies. We're binge watching our favorite shows. And then we come to church and we try to engage with God in a meaningful way, a God who exists in spirit, someone we can't see with our eyes. It's a hard thing to do. That's why a lot of us will say, you know what? I just don't feel close to God. What if you said, I'm not just going to get my body to church. I'm going to prepare my spirit as well. I'm going to open up God's word. The God that I say that I love, the God that I sing about that I adore, I want to have a relationship with God. So I want him to speak to me. I want to see what God has for me in my life and what I can apply so that I can look more and more like him. What if we said, you know what, I'm going to pray just a little bit more. I'm going to cast my cares at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to surrender these problems, these issues to God. 
So it's not like when I come to church, it's like, oh, hey, God, haven't seen you in a week. How have you been? But it's been, I've been living with you all week this week, God. What if you said today, I'm not going to be a spectator anymore. I'm going to be a participant. You see what's happening. And when you go over there in a little bit, you're going to see what's happening in the uh, South Venue. And you're like, I can't just come, fill a seat, and then leave. I got to do something. God's given you gifts, talents, and abilities to reach your neighbors, to reach your family, to reach your friends. And you're like, I got to do something. I'm tired of just coming and spectating. I'm going to participate. I'm going to take a step of faith and see what God would do in and through me. Or maybe today, you just are like, I got to surrender some things over to God. And in a few moments when we sing, you're like, I'm just going to raise my hands up in the air to the God who knows how to handle what's going on in my life. And when you start living like that, David said in Psalm 34 that you will praise the Lord at all times. And that's the second way that you can enter into worship, praising God at all times. Not when you're just at church, not when life is going really well or when you feel like it, you're going to say, I'm going to praise God at all times. Because listen, praise is powerful. I don't know what your problems are today, but I'll tell you, when you start praising God, those problems are in trouble. Because those problems are going to start to seem a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller. In fact, later on in Psalm 34, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Maybe that describes you today. You feel crushed and spirit. You feel the weight of everything you're carrying in your life, and it just feels like it's crushing you a little more and a little more. The Bible says that God is close to you. He's just a prayer away. Maybe you're here today, and you feel like the jailer, and you're thinking, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And I love that term, saved, because it implies that something intense is happening. Think about it. If someone's in a burning building, a firefighter is going to go in and rescue them, and we would say that firefighter saved them. If someone's drowning in a pool, a lifeguard's going to jump in. He's going to bring them back to dry ground, and we're going to say that that, life, uh, that lifeguard saved them. They were going to die. They were saved from that fate. And that's what the Bible says, that you are saved when you believe in Jesus. See, we are all sinners separated from God. We were all headed for hell. God noticed the problem. God gave us the solution in his son, Jesus, to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we should have died, to suffer on our behalf. Jesus died, but guess what? He rose again, and because he rose again, he's gonna give us eternal life. Jesus can save us. Listen, if you're in a burning building, what are you gonna do? You're gonna cry out, help! Help! And a firefighter is going to come in and save you. If you're drowning in a pool, you're going to yell, help! (laughs) You're going to yell out, help! And that lifeguard's going to come in and save you. And if you're far from Jesus today, if you've never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never, maybe once you did and you've walked away and you're just kind of coming back, and you're like, hey, I'm far from Christ. Today, if you are far from Jesus, cry out, help. And Jesus will come in. He will save you. He will rescue you. 
He will forgive you of your sins. And you might be like, you don't even know what I've done. You don't know the, the, the hole I'm in, the problems I'm dealing with. It's okay. Those aren't big enough that Jesus can't handle them. He can handle it. He's so much bigger than anything you think that you can do on your own. Jesus is bigger all, than all of that. And he will forgive you and save you. And all you have to do is trust in him and, and receive him with faith, surrendering your life to Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.